if you're no, putting, if, if you're putting if, yourself <laughs> out there like that, you're gonna you, you're gonna attract. You lost. Be, you lost a listener from tits and ass. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it, yes, I, I did. It was, so it, so it, was, it does it was, work in some. Yeah, it does work in some scenarios. <laughs> Welcome to the iBuyer Experiment. We have some meaty stuff to go through today. Elliot has some questions that are going to help you and help you grow your business. Yeah, I do have some questions, and I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I was actually doing a little bit of uh, social media perusing, you know, IG. What were some like core questions? And I found it really interesting because there was almost kind of like a commonality around a lot of the coaches, thought leaders uh, in the real estate space. People are running positive. Uh, successful podcasts, et cetera, that they had a lot of the core questions. And some of them, I don't want to call them novice questions, but there are questions I feel like that when you've been in the business for a little bit, things that you just kind of assume. And it reminds me that sometimes peeling it back the layers and keeping it basic is actually one of the best ways to success. Mm, okay. So, well, let's get started. What's our first question we're going to answer and digest? Um, well, the first one I think that would be fitting is what routines do agents need uh, to have to be successful in today's climate? Ooh, prospect, prospect, prospect. Mm, so am I hearing a prospecting routine? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that, Jason. Well, you got to prospect every day, right? It's, Absolutely. It's a routine of prospecting. Absolutely. Is it, is it really that simple? It's that simple because I think I think a lot of agents, they'll, they'll, they'll prospect until they get a deal and then they're out showing houses, doing this and that and the other, so and true. they stop prospecting. Um, so having that uh, one hour, two hours a day that you do that, uh, do your prospecting. To Jay's point, that they, you know, there, they, there's so many coaches again that will talk about that, right? Like where you have the the roller coaster rides of real estate that the ebbs and the flows, and that's because they fail to be consistent with their messaging, with their prospecting efforts. I think it's important for us, real quick, to actually talk about the difference between prospecting and and, and marketing, um, because I, I'm a, again, I, I'll be very candid. For me, in my probably first five, six plus years in real estate, I was a fantastic prospector. I had built it to the point where that's what we did all day, every day, or not all day, every day, but like in our time budget, as Jay was talking about, where we created really quick opportunities, but we failed to market, right? So a lot of those people that I had done business with, I wasn't getting the repeat referrals at the level that we should have because I had failed to keep my brand, my, uh, our, our top of mind, tip of tongue, you know, mentality in front of those particular clients. So my advice on that is, is, Make sure you take the time to prospect, but also take the time to build the core foundations to communicate your value proposition on a regular basis with your people that know you, like you, trust you, and understanding the database piece of it. Okay, so prospecting is a routine that every agent must have. Uh, Jason's so simple. You're always very simple. You don't make anything very complex. And I know that when we hardcore prospected, we did it in the morning. Yep. And I know that our key uh, area of focus was expired listings. And so yep. every morning we would attack the expireds. I think I think uh, you would hit it first at pretty early. I feel like you would do it at like 7 a.m. Yeah, I'd be calling the uh, expired listings. I'd go into the MLS, find the, the uh, client's phone number, because a lot of agents would just leave them in there. And <laughs> that was yep. back in the day when they yep. with, before they'd take them out. And then uh, just start calling, calling homeowners. And getting in, and making appointments, really. 
Yep. He would set exactly. me appointments to go close yeah, them. Yeah, set Kayla appointment. She'd go <laughs> there and get the listing. It's awesome. Sounds like a, again, a routine. That's what we did too. That's right. Yeah, very similar. Okay, so prospecting is one. What are other routines agents need for success? So I, I think even breaking it down as simple as Jay was talking about, where you talk to either whether you're setting a time budget or where you're calling past leads or past clients for at least an hour a day as well, where you're taking the conversation to, um, you know, possible leads. I'd even say one, I'd go one, one step forward and say, um, instead of calling them, sending them video messages, mm -hmm. right? I think, Love um, it. I think the video messages on social media is very powerful right now. Even if it's just a, it's just a basic message of, Hey, how's it going? Just thinking about you, giving them some, some sort of tip and that's it. And then go to the next person, say the same thing, say the same thing, same over and over and over again, just to make those touches. Agreed. I think the video DM is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Posting strategies you think would be good for, for as far as routine. Uh, for social media? Yep. Because I had a different routine I wanted to talk about that okay, nobody, nobody talks about. Uh, and I think it's the night routine. Ooh. Everybody talks about the morning routine, right? You got to do this, like, freaking all these things in the morning. You, like, got to mm -hmm. get up and you got to, like, journal and you got to, like, you know, do your breathing exercise. <laughs> you got to do your stretches and then you got to drink your green juice. and 5 a.m. And, and it's, to be real, I think it's BS. Like, I think that the amount of people that actually do that versus the amount of people that say they do that, I think it's probably BS. I think it's about the nighttime routine. I think that it's what you do at night that sets you up for success in the morning. Mm, yeah. Right. Huh. So how are you like, for instance, how are you getting, you know, are you getting ready for, for bed and, you know, prepping for bed and unplugging and getting good quality sleep so that you are waking up feeling energized and ready to go? Yep. The last routine I think that um, is a must for anybody in their business, depending on where they're at, is taking the time to innovate in your business taking a look at what you're doing, whether it's on a weekly or monthly basis, setting a routine to seeing what you're doing that's actually working, what's being effective, where are your results coming from, and do more of that. Yeah. Are you, what's what's your routine for that, for Zedelia? <laughs> well, being that that's actually one of the primary things I constantly do is I'm looking constantly at our communication, um, um, you know, mediums. Uh, well, me more from the email text message campaigns communicating to our, our base on how we communicate more effective. How do I be more effective in, in my uh, coaching sessions with, with the agent members? And ultimately, how do we make everything more effective just as an organization as a whole? So I would say for me, it's something I actually do probably on the, on the daily. And um, from, a, from a structured standpoint, I would say I could probably do a better job at actually budging that on a, on a, on a daily because I think that... Um, get so much of the reactive that if we took if I took more of a proactive approach there and budgeting that time where it's it's locked in like I know it happens but again if it was locked in I think it, it could be a little bit more dialed mm -hmm. I agree I was I was actually forget who who it was uh, someone incredibly successful was talking about how the most important time that they block off is their time that's just dead time. And it's their time for nothing but innovation and thinking about, you know, the business and, and how they're going to innovate. So I think that's a really good one, Elliot. Yep. 
Keith, how about you? What re- routine? Definitely, definitely could use more of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think about anything else and just let things go versus just always, you know, thinking about other stuff. But for me on a daily basis, it's for being proactive, it's making sure that all of properties that we have being facilitated within the system, timelines are being hit, right communications being done. So then we hopefully don't have to deal with the reactive, like, oh crap, we missed, we didn't hit, we didn't close escrow on time. We didn't hit this deadline. So that's one thing that I almost always concentrate on and definitely spend time doing to make sure that, uh, whatever partners that we're working with, the transactions stay as smooth as possible. So the routine of monitoring your business. Absolutely. That is a big one, right? Because I think that there's always that mantra, like there's no emergencies in real estate, (laughs) but yet we all know that the majority of agents run around with their head, uh, their hair on fire when something, right? They, they, They act like the sky is falling. And it's a lot of times because they didn't really take a proactive measure to look at their business in a systemized fashion. Well, and what it allows you to do is get better. You're like, oh man, I now that that happened, now I can implement something in yeah, place to hopefully to make sure that doesn't happen again. So it also helps you improve. You're always consistently monitoring where you're at and where you're going. Agreed. That's yep. a good one. Okay, what else, Elliot? What else do you got for us? So what, this is more of a fun one and definitely up yours and Jay's alley. Uh, what social media mistakes do you see agents making today? Mm. <laughs> social media mistakes, huh? Mm. I, well, I'm definitely probably the, the least one to talk about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with that being said, here's here's the biggest mistake. Yes. Yep. Not doing it at all. Exactly. That's right. Number one, not doing it exactly. at all. Exactly. 100%. We could just move on. <laughs> you, you, you aim at nothing you'll hit it every time i think i think the biggest mistake is not engaging with other people's content Ooh, good one jay um thinking oh i just got a post and i got you know they're always thinking about themselves and what they're gonna do Bingo, on social another media one. what they're gonna post and and instead it's like the most the most uh uh possibility um, or the most, I think the best thing for you to do is to engage with other, with other agents and well, not agents, but your clients basically as, right, as an agent, uh, dedicated um, audience. Yeah. Your dedicated audience for sure. So engagement. So yep. not engaging would be a mistake. Yeah. It's a Absolutely, big one. Absolutely. Right. hundred yeah, percent. I mean, it's, it's hard for me because if you're, if you're putting yourself out there and if you're posting like kudos, yep. right. Yep. Even if it's not the best content. Yep. At least you're putting yourself out there. Hmm. What mistakes do I see agents making? I think one that I fell victim to, and I see a lot of agents that make this mistake, and they only do the content that's easy. They only hop on the trends. They only do Ooh, like the pointing, the pointing to text on the screen, the voice, you know, you know impersonating or voiceovers, whatever you call that. I think that's a mistake yep. because you're not really positioning yourself. You're not really showing your voice. You're not differentiating yourself with what you think. And instead, you're just hopping on these trends that, you know, can get you a ton of views. But it's fun. It is fun. And although I think it's a I think it's a mistake, I think if you really want to be credible, you got to put your own authentic content out there. Absolutely. I think that that's huge, what you just said. And so I give a couple things that, that come that jump out at me on it. 
number one goes uh, coincides with what you just said that they'll do the some trend thing, and they'll do it one week, next month, next month. Oh, I'm not getting any leads. I'm not getting any engagement. I'm not getting comments. It doesn't work, right? At the end of the day, it's never the one thing. It's the all things working together, which you know that's I'm a huge believer in that. And it's creating the awareness and the value proposition that you potentially have that you're trying to share at that. But it's also being too dedicated on look at me, look at me, look at me, look at, versus being a value, being of service. That's why I think that there's a lot of the thought leaders out there that they'll come out with trends, with reports, which, you know, Kayla, I know you do a fantastic job of reporting, uh, doing the research, um, you know, and, and being a thought leader around trends, uh, not trends, but just um, uh, percentages and ratios of what's going on and kind of sharing that particular article and speaking about it from your free thought. So I think that that's a huge mistake I see agents not doing, that they're just getting so caught up in trying to be TikTok infamous <laughs> or, uh, you know, Insta, an Insta model, right? In so many ways that they're forgetting about why they're actually doing it. But the last one I have that, that I kind of said it before and Jade, and Jade touched on it too, is them always making it about them. Again, I think it's just coming from the value is, is really a place, place that they need to focus on. That's good. I know when I was listening to a podcast with Ed Milet, and Ed Milet said that a mistake he sees a lot of the female real estate agents make is dressing skimpy. And he said Ooh. his example was, uh, I will never use you if you're posting pictures in a bikini. Because why? Well, my wife is going to be like, why the heck are we using yep, this real yep. estate agent? And they're going to look at I your, don't need an argument. Right. They're going to look at that, your feed. And so I thought that was really interesting. I didn't say it. Ed Milet said it. If you really want to be taken serious, um, don't show tits and ass. So let's let, but hold on. Let's let's paint the picture on that for real. Because like again, I can I can certainly speak that. Imagine if you had somebody that was your chosen real estate professional, and they're an attra attractive individual. Your spouse is in there, and all of a sudden you go walk in your dream house. They like it, and they're like them. You know, you look in the wrong direction. Next thing you know, you're getting accused. Oh, I bet you like that house. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, did you I just say tits and ass? Yeah, yeah. I did. exactly. I did. I'm like, where? <laughs> and here, here's the other thing too. Be careful who you attract, right? You're gonna attract certain clients that you might end up going. That guy was nasty to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been at listing. I've only had this happen twice that I can think of. But when you go on enough, you have weird shit happen to you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there was one guy, you know, expired, canceled. Loved the presentation, you know, thought I knew what I was talking about, but he literally said, uh, I think I'm going to go with this other, uh, other real oh estate agent gosh, because, you know, he, and this is his, right? He was, you know, I, I won't go down what he said, but he was coming, you know, about her body and oh that God. was more important to him. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, <clears throat> so this, if you're, no, put, if, if you're if, putting if, yourself <laughs> out there like that, you're going to, you're going to attract. You Probably. lost. You lost a listing up from tits to ass. Yes, <laughs> I, I think it, yes, I, I did. It was, so it, so it, was, it does it was, work in some. Yeah, it does work in some scenarios. It was way more <laughs> vulgar too, because he was like a single guy, and he like totally was like, "She's fine as hell," or something like that. Yeah, right? it yeah. Was, I mean, he was yeah. vulgar with Keith about it. If mm. memory serves me, pretty wild. Right. Good year. Not some client <laughs> you want. <laughs> no. Nope. But anyway, so yeah, I'm. I'm so have you, you ever lost some business like from tits and ass? <laughs> Keith has. That's hey, that's a. a, a we'll just let it go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yep. Moving on. Yep. Moving on. All right. So my, my next question. 
All right. So this is, uh, the, I think this is a really, really important topic right now. I'm seeing this a ton out there around the quality of inventory. And so I'm going to paraphrase this and still Jay's thunder here for a quick sec. Is, is your listing attracting wholesale buyers? Yes. Let's diagnose that one, like really peel it back for a second because number one, inventory levels are low. Kelly now has a stat that she's going to share with us in just a second on that, which is maybe why, but the and this is what this is the one of the yeah. reasons why we where we came up with the cash plus um, offer structure. Yep. Because there's a lot of agents out there that that say, yeah, you yeah, know, they they want that listing, right? So they, oh no, you don't have to do anything like this. They <laughs> they know that this client doesn't have cash in the bank to to, yep. to paint the walls and to put new carpet in. So they say, yes, it's fine. We'll get it sold. You know, the market's decent, and this is this price range is okay. Oh, yeah. Um, but really what they're attracting is wholesale buyers and we, we, we came up with the cash plus offer, offer structure for that reason. And, uh, now agents or now, um, clients can, uh, can sell their house, get that first payout, um, have us come in, redo all, you know, make, remodel make, the house, make the repairs, yeah. uh, remodel, um, I mean, not complete remodel. And we have done Hence. some pretty, some pretty, in, uh, extensive remodels. And then, then they get all the upside. <laughs> yep. You know, so you, you make the house look pretty. Now they More get buyers the are going to come in there and and pay pay a higher, higher amount and uh, they get they get the benefit. Yep, sellers get that benefit. Your client does. Think about your let's we'll go back in time. Our buyers agent days right? when you're showing <laughs> houses. What was the probably most common experience? Paint oh. carpet, and then the buyer smell, and, and then you don't. A lot of buyers sometimes you know they have their down payment. Maybe they they don't have the cash to go in and right. put ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars into the house. So then that's where that, yep. hey, price reduction, you know, or hey, wholesalers sending you an offer on 60 cents on the dollar because your listing's been sitting on the market for 100 days and maybe the seller's just ready to let's get rid of it. Yeah, price contest or beauty contest, right? Ra- race to which one in that in that circumstance? Yeah, a smell it, contest. Yeah. I think it smells uh, bigger. Uh, yeah, so, so the carpets that were destroyed, um, the the walls that might have a little bit of smoke on them or something, but oh. um, you paint and put new carpet in, and now all of a sudden the house smells good. Yeah, so to give you a specific example, there's there's a deal that I can think of right off the top of my head that we're, that we're currently doing right now. So this is probably super common too, even when you're going and uh, you have a listing where a home seller is still living in the property, whether it's kids, but really pets, you know, there's one where you, I don't know how many animals they have, but they definitely have dogs and cats. And, you know, that's just not going to be a good experience, you know, for showing the property. The exterior is pretty beaten up, needs to be repainted. But once that's done, it, it'll make it look like a new house again. It, yeah, the, the, the dogs and cats won't be there anymore. Yep. So it just, you're, you're able it's to. It's the worst thing when you walk in and show a house and there's like, there's, cats and dogs and, and crates and all over the place. They're barking and meowing at you and stuff. And you're like, yeah. And, and, and I, we love animals. This is oh, not, yeah, yeah, it's animals. not saying that I, we don't. I, but. I know, but, but showing a house, it's not, it's not, a, it's, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not conducive. conducive to that showing. Yeah, conducive. Oh, and then with most of the time with animals, carpet's ruined. So, I mean, I, I that, you know, deal with that personally. So I don't have carpet in my house anymore. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so we're able to come in and just eliminate all those pain points and objections that would come up if the property was just listed traditionally. And now that home seller will likely get more money when it's listed and resold by the agent who brought us the deal. 
and that it's just an overall better experience for everybody, right? As a listing agent, this is like a this should be a dream for you. It's like, whoa, I'm I'm getting I, I'm I'm providing an opportunity for a homeowner to get majority of their equity up front, getting them and uh to you know to their next place and just making that experience way smoother. Then you're getting a listing and you get a vacant listing, and it's gonna show much better, which is hopefully a result in a higher price and decreased days on mark. 100% will, yes, will result will. in a higher price. Yeah, it's a, it's beautiful and it's price right. What a concept. Every every time, majority of the time, you know, when we, when we have those types of uh, transaction close and we did go in and improve the property, based on results, there's no way it would have sold for what the price that it ended up selling for if we hadn't come in and done that. And, and the agent knows that. And then so does the homeowner, the previous homeowner or previous seller, I should say, and just everybody appreciates it. Yeah, we really had cool. we had one that uh, was on the market, right, uh, at four fifty, the one on uh, one in Mesa at Eastridge, and um, the seller couldn't sell it. He had a bunch of stuff all over the place, and uh, we came in and bought it at four fifty. Um, did the cash plus, did new paint, carpet, cleaned up. Sold for four ninety. Wait, hold on. Let me get this straight. It was on the market at four fifty. Couldn't, couldn't sell. Couldn't, a, sell. couldn't sell at four fifty. We went in, cleaned it up, and then turned around and sold. And it sold at four ninety. Four ninety, and and the and the homeowner got the extra forty thousand. How freaking cool is that? It's pretty freaking pretty cool. cool. It works. It's all about just expanding your repertoire of offerings that you have for for sellers and buyers and. You know, and we're definitely going to need to get creative because yep. I think that the inventory yep. levels probably aren't going to go up much. I know that that's kind of the wild card. Everybody is waiting to see. Are homes going to come on the market? Is there going to be more inventory? I found this story on Reddit and I thought it was really interesting and it paints a really good picture of where the majority of homeowners sit today. So what we know is that 7 in 10 U.S. homeowners have interest rates at 4% or less. And so they will likely not be very motivated to move and bump into a higher interest rate. Here's a story from Reddit that paints the picture. And the title is very telling. It says, Golden Handcuffs After Buying in 2020. Admittedly, it's kind of a good problem to have. So I feel a bit foolish complaining. We paid $738 at the end of 2020. We put down 10% at 2.65%. We just got an appraisal of 925. We've come to realize that the street we're on is way too busy and cars drive way too fast. This is a pretty big issue as we have two young children. Yes, a fence is an option, but I didn't realize how much not having a quiet street to feel safe slash play ball on, et cetera, is a plus for me. Ultimately, this is a vent as much as it is as a thread to commiserate. Anyone in a similar boat, do I have any financially smart decisions other than stay? Yes. You do. Someone, Go someone said, "Sell the kids, rent it, <laughs> <laughs> sell the kids." <laughs> no, it. I would say you rent it. You're you're gonna get a higher you're gonna higher rental price. He can go find another go find another price. Go find another property and use that extra cash flow that you're you're making on the rental to pay for the extra uh, interest rate you're paying. That's one option. Or if you don't want you can want to get away from uh, the management of, of the property. I know we've talked about this, but there are strategies where you can, I mean, again, it's a little bit more of a risky risk uh, environment, but you can do seller financing, you know, type thing where you're going to do a wrap. Um, 
at two seven five, you could give them a four percent rate, which is still way cheaper than today's time. Have them put ten percent down, and now you're cash flowing on your money as as well. Sure. There's a lot yeah, of creative stuff too. I think that we're going to start seeing. I agree. I think we will too. But I think I, what I found most interesting about this is that this redditor actually used the golden handcuffs. I know, as mm, a, in the great. title of their post, and and it is kind of true. You kind of you know maybe you feel a little stuck in your yep. home because you have such a great interest rate, but you have options. You just need the right realtor to explain them to you. So let's peel that back a little bit because I think that that stat that you said, I mean, it's just, that is so powerful and overwhelming. There's approximately 160 million homes across America. And seven- 70% of that. Exactly. 70% of them have the less than a 4% interest rate. Holy Toledo. Right. And considering that we're nowhere near fours right now, right? Roughly six. And that's, I know that's what I'm saying. I know it's a little north of that. That's an over 50%. If they're at four, six, right? Over 50% higher rate. And this is why we're having an inventory problem. That's right. Exactly. So everybody talking about, hey, the market's going to crash, this, that, and the other. I'm going, good luck. Like, where are these? Where, <laughs> where are, are they going to go? Yeah, and, and they can you can afford the payment on a home at a 2.65 percent interest rate. I mean, it's yep. it's so inexpensive. You couldn't go rent an apartment. I know. Well, and here's the crazy thing too. So, like, consumer psychology, a lot of times they want to move up, right? Especially if they make more money, life progresses, et cetera. They have their this more equity in their house as, as this example. But now, unless they were to go basically buy, do a lateral move, and then they have to take all of that equity boom that they have to buy down the, the their mortgage balance and potentially buy down a rate to even be anywhere in the same ballpark of the payment that they're, that they're currently at. So they're doing a lateral move. It, it's just like, it doesn't make sense on a lot of cases. Where, like I said, most people when they move, whether it's not always a bigger home, but maybe it's a higher quality home. They, they have a consumer psychology of wanting to move up and that's just broken right now due to the cost of capital, unless they're cash buyers. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. It's going to be such a fun year in real estate. And we just thank you so much for joining us on the iBuyer Experiment. Hey, if you have any topics or questions that you want us to digest, drop them. We would love to talk about them. And thanks for listening. Yep, thank you. See ya. Bye.